continue on. Positive Friday on Sports 1440. Jason Greger, Connor Halley with you. Of course, it is the uh, Heritage Classic this weekend, Sunday, Edmonton and Calgary. Of course, 20 years ago, it was actually in November. Many of you were there. Many of you watched it. A little chillier. It's not going to be as cold. It's not going to be balmy, but it's not going to be that cold on uh, on Sunday. Uh, right now, the temperature in both cities, in the hearts of uh, Orders and Flames fans, is maybe a little bit uh, chiller than you would like, as uh, both teams are off to a struggling start. The Orders uh, with another loss last night. Uh, now that is uh, four consecutive losses. I know one was in uh, overtime against Winnipeg, but uh, they don't they don't uh, have any wins. So to me, four game winless streak, four game losing streak. Call whatever you want. They don't have a win in uh, in four games. The uh, Flames struggling. They got uh, spanked by the Blues last night. Both teams' uh, home fans were uh, booing them off the ice, so not ideal. So uh, we'll see. They should be uh, fired up coming in on Sunday, and I think uh, many fans will be uh, fired up because uh, the history of it. The Orders, they got very special jerseys in honor of the Edmonton Mercuries. And the Edmonton Mercuries, of course, won the Olympics in 1952. They also won the World Championships in 1950. And I didn't really realize that until our next guest came in studio. And he's got this unbelievable scrapbook and I'll show some of the pictures for those of you watching on Orders Nation YouTube uh, so you can see it and, and we'll take pictures. I'll put them up on online a little bit later on. Uh, Randall Purvis joins us. Uh, of course, your father played on the uh, on the the Mercuries, uh, the Waterloo Mercuries, correct? Right. Randall, that's right. what it was, the Waterloo, Waterloo it was Mercuries? the Waterloo Mercuries and the Edmonton Mercuries when they traveled abroad. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when they traveled abroad, it was the Edmonton Mercuries. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, is that just so they kind of had a city in it? Well, it's the way it works. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So your dad's your dad played for how many years? You know, I don't know exactly how many years he played, but I know that it was the, one of the most important things of his whole life and his most proud moment. Well, they they winning the Olympics, pretty big deal, of course. Pretty big right? deal. Now, but it was because you were born in 1951. You were right. telling me this. So you were born in 1951. They left. And then because the Olympics happened in 52 around February. So they were gone because there's a picture you show me when they come back, they land on the plane. Everyone greets them at the plane. You're not like seven or eight months old. Exactly. Exactly. So, so my mom was alone while that all happened. In those days, there was you know, TV coverage was different. Uh, yeah. And you'd hear it on the radio and you'd hear lots of stories about it. But uh, yeah, and there's a great picture in that book of the outdoor rinks that they played in. Yeah, and he would tell some interesting stories, you know. Well, so yeah, so what? What's kind of, give us our, and our listeners kind of a little viewpoint of what it was like in the 1950s on the Mercury's. Well, what it was like was they were treated like gold for the time. Okay, you know they represented uh, Canada and they represented uh, uh, their hockey prowess. But I think it's important to find out how they were hired. So the visionary uh, who who set the whole thing in motion hired a whole bunch of hockey players, and they would come to Edmonton. They would work at Waterloo Mercury in the, in the day. Okay. And they would play hockey on his team um, whenever he wanted them to. And he trained them. He played them. It played, you know, he played hockey, and they worked in the car dealership. And Dad was a lot boy. Dad was a used car salesman. Dad was a, a sales manager. And then he became vice chairman and then the the owner eventually after decades of being there i think he was there at waterloo all 56 years or something and so waterloo began in 1945 1945 and now you're are you the gm now no, I've sold uh, a lot of the shares, and I'm just a shareholder. Just a, just a shareholder. But you yeah. ran it for quite a while. Many, many years. And so, yeah. you know, you kind of kept the name of Waterloo right on 107th 
Avenue, correct? 107, 114th Street? Exactly. Okay, yeah. perfect. And so I just put the picture up uh, showing it, and your dad was assistant captain. Al? Al Purvis, yeah. Al Purvis. So when you talk to your father later on, what was like? What were what mattered so much about him for those teams in, in the nineteen, specifically the Olympic team? Well, he became, you know, in those days we didn't have a, the heroes were different. So those days when they'd have a parade down Jasper Avenue and they were well respected, they had dinners, and it, it was something that was a different kind of hero than we have today. We don't have that wasn't a Connor McDavid type of environment, but it was a really respected member of society and people. You know, autographs. I'd go to hockey games with him in the old gardens, and he'd be watching every play and watching every moment of it, and people would come and shake his hand. And it lasted for a long time, actually. Uh, Randall Purvis joins us. Uh, his father, Al, played on the 1952 Mercury. So I'm looking at their jersey right now, and uh, the, the emblem on the inside, that's really on the front of the Orders logo when they go to the game on uh, on Sunday that's what they're doing. How cool is that to see? Because you have all these pictures in your house of this, and now the modern-day Oilers are honoring them. Well, it, it is cool. And it's funny because we have the old gloves, which were ridiculous. Oh, yeah. They're huge. <laughs> and the sweaters were this thick. Oh, yeah. man. These were these were not a lot of fun. I mean, they, they were outside, so they had to be. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big deal. I'm, I'm really happy that the Oilers chose to do that and honor that history of the Edmonton Mercury. I, I see there's a letter here from the, uh, the mayor, Mr. Uh, Horluck. Yep. Um, back in April of 1952, uh, it's uh, written to your dad, Al, just saying, uh, you know, your victories brought the community uh, lots of attention. Thousands of people know about Edmonton, right? Because it kind of put them on the map a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it is really unique to look at it, and, and that team basically they they played hockey and then they trained and they trained together and they worked at all the car dealerships. So uh, uh, all the, so did they bring in guys from across the country and they all just lived here? Mostly Alberta. Oh, it was mostly Alberta guys. Mostly Alberta. Oh yeah, Dad was in Calgary when he was solicited because he was a baseball player and a hockey player, and he got the job. For, he was in Calgary and he's moved to Edmonton. So after the fifties, like. Was he close? Like, did NHL? Because back then, that's the original six days. Right. Right? So were they looking to go play for the Flyers, the farm teams, and different things? How to work? Well, there is a story that I heard, you know, fact or fiction, <laughs> that Dad was asked to go to Chicago. Okay. So to the training camp, and I think he may have chosen not to go. And there was a couple other guys that had sort of small invitations to go there, but none of them really made it in the show. Yeah, and that's, well, it was a very different time back yeah. then, right? Like, you know, going to, to the NHL, while it was great, was a big risk. And if you had a good job and you were playing, you know, on the local hockey team, sometimes it really wasn't financially worth it to do it. No, no, exactly right. Yeah. So what... What do you think people maybe in Edmonton listening right now don't know about? Like, what what don't they know about the Mercury's that might surprise them? Wow. Uh, what don't they know? What they don't know is that this is a group of people that stayed together as friends and working partners for decades. Remember when Canada won the gold medal in Salt Lake City? Mm -hmm. So that was 50 years to the day yeah. that the Mercury, so a bunch of the older guys went down there. Dad chose not to go. So there was a core group of them that remained friends. And friendships uh, come and go. You know, people move away. But it was, 
they kept in touch for a long, long time. And since, as far as I know, they've all passed away. And and you mentioned that uh, your father passed away in 2011. He was 85 years of age. Yeah. So, uh, you know, had, had an exceptional life. And what was it you mentioned that was the best time of his life? How come? Well, it's travel. You know, the thing about it is when you're young, you're 20, 19, 20, 21, 22, and you're traveling in Europe and you're going to the ambassador's ball or ambassador's, you know, he saw a lot of things that were completely um, out of his range. He was born in Trochu, Alberta. Okay. So Trochu, Alberta to to the ambassador's house in Oslo or wherever that they were. They played in England, too. And... Uh, some of the stories about the rinks were incredible. I mean, I think there's a picture in that book of an outdoor rink, uh, and it's full of people, uh, but it's the very different style of hockey. And I'm not sure if they had the the larger size arenas, which I assume, large, larger ice surfaces. Yeah. I'm assuming they did. Yeah, Olympic size ice, so yeah. that would make sense, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, you look at the – so you've had this, and, and they've been honored, uh, you know, at, at the Order Games a few times. Uh, they brought them out because uh, it is really a big deal, I think, and some people kind of forget, you know, it's always important to know the history of it. Uh, you know, winning the World Championships in the 50, then, of course, the Olympics in, in 1952. And it is funny how 2002, 50 years to the day between Canada winning the Olympics again. Exactly. Right? And, and, and some people in this era maybe don't understand it. Like, hockey is – we considered our our number one passion as far as sports goes. Right. Yet we went 50 years without winning the gold medal. Yeah, well, you know? Like, it's it. crazy. Yeah, right? exactly. So your dad didn't go. Were you watching the gold medal game with him? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a big deal. That was amazing. Yeah. Uh, so... I'm assuming, for, like, was he regaling you guys with stories of 52, kind of comparing to this is what we did at this time? He would have stories about the referees. And he would fake a shot and he'd get a penalty or something like that. He would tell these stories, you know. He would, he would tell these, the officiating was terrible and certain refs were on one side or the other. <laughs> Not much has changed. No, I was just going to say, Rattles, <laughs> sounds like most fans right now. These refs are brutal. Although I'll say, I can say, I know that the orders are struggling because we haven't had one person. The orders are one, five, and one. There hasn't been one mention of how bad the refs were. Not one. Yeah. Which shows, hey, guess what? If the team plays poorly, it has nothing to do uh, with the, uh, officials but um, what about like food back then like how was it because because the travel was unique but like you're f by train and different things like it's so different nowadays like as you mentioned you were born in, in late uh, 1951 and then you know your, your dad when they left to go on this tour for the olympics they were over in europe for like six months they were and i have several scrapbooks and they're not as organized as these two i actually have another one that's a little bit less organized and there's a picture of their bus that went off the road and there's these hockey players pushing it back on the road and the roads weren't great those days and their yeah. transportation wasn't uh, first class yeah i never really talked about the accommodations or anything like that just just the events themselves now they were in europe did they ever go to russia or any other place not that I'm aware. No, but no. so it's funny that it was like England because you know hockey's never really caught on there. Like at least at the elite level, like the the Brits have not. Like, you know, they'll bounce around in Division Two and stuff like that. But it is kind of funny that even dating back that far, right? And hockey really has never like soccer is obviously their main thing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so when you you mentioned watching the Olympics with him, even 50 years later when he's watching it. Like, what did the 2002, what did it mean to him? Did he feel like a connection to that group at all? Sort of. Yeah, sort of. It, it was a bit of a disconnect. It was mostly his, his heart was just proud of Canada. 
And that's one thing he always said. He said, when you're, when that Canada flag goes up, your heart is pumping and you are so proud. You know, when you win the, the medal and yeah. the Canadian anthem is played, that's, that's the moment you know you've done something. Now, Randall, before I let you go, um, uh, this is a pretty cool story with the uh, with the fifty two Mercury's. But also, um, uh, you and your wife have have a foundation, uh, No Stone uh, Left Alone, where uh, it's it f- focuses around Remembrance Day. Uh, it's coming up uh, quickly here, and remembers. So give it. Can you give it a little uh, to our listeners because it's such a unique. And what I love about this charity is it started here, and now it's gone across Canada, and it's actually over in Europe now too. Yes, yes. Started in two thousand eleven. And uh, we, we did some historical data this uh, last couple of days, and we've honored, we've placed fi- over 500,000 poppies in the 12 years we've done this. Okay. And this year, it looks like we'll be in 225 or 230 locations across Canada. We've already done one in Krakow, Poland. We've done one in Antioch, BC, which is, they take a helicopter across the straits, these uh, rangers, and they honor f- uh, four soldiers. The amount of effort that people do to do these ceremonies, we are so thankful. And then there's the students. Like, sh- we should have about 13,000 students placing these poppies this year. And so they, they place a poppy on the grave of a fallen soldier. Right. Uh, the, the instructions are, first of all, you say their name, John Smith, Gunner, thank you for your service, and you place a poppy. And then we asked the children to write reflection letters of how it made them feel. And the reflection letters, we have several thousand of them, tell them that that moment they they understand maybe the freedoms we have in Canada, but they really understand the service of the Canadian Armed Forces. And I think we all should do the same. Well, I, I think the other thing that's unique about this, um, anytime you get the opportunity to put an action towards something, I, I think it resonates more with people. Absolutely. Right? And so you have children in, in junior high, some in high school, and they go to the grave the first time, and all of a sudden they're 15, and they're looking, and they're like, hey, wait a sec, you do the math in your head, and this guy was 17, he was 18, and all of a sudden it kind of puts into context that just how young they were when they they paid the ultimate sacrifice. Jason, that's well said, and it's not only how young they were, but they become people. They're an aunt or an uncle or a brother or a son or however they were, they become real people that served. And we have children that have come, and we've had uh, teachers and children say this, that the teachers are ram- they're rambunctious on the way to the cemetery. They do their ceremony, and on the way back to the school, they're quiet. They're quiet. They're kind of reflecting. Yeah. So yeah. They, they've so had a moment. How can, uh, how can people get involved if they want to help out? So uh, we are donor-supported. Uh, NoStoneLeftAlone.ca. You'll find that we have several events that you can attend. Uh, you can support us in any way you want. We're at the JW Marriott on November the 4th for our black tie dinner. Love to see you all there. Maybe not all of you, but uh, many of you. <laughs> and uh, a young gentleman on my left is going to be uh, working with us that day. What are you doing there, Jason? Uh, yeah, you know what? I th- I don't, I'm not exactly sure. But no, I think I'm, I'm helping out with the auction and uh, doing some stuff. Uh, I, I did last year, and it was it was interesting because I, I had the pleasure last year of sitting at a table with, with many um, uh, current uh, people in the military and a few past. And... Right. Uh, it's a lifestyle that I don't really know anything about. Right. And I'm always intrigued to learn more uh, and, and kind of get somebody's – it's always fun to me when you can have a beer with someone or a vodka, whatever you're having, or a glass of water, and kind of hear about their story when they've done things that you've never done. 
and, and really not even considered doing, right? Like it was, I, it was never something that I, there was never a point in my life where I was growing up where I said, you know what, I, I think I want to go into the service. It just wasn't just wasn't an option for me. Like I thought about being a policeman, right? And I actually looked into it when I was, uh, you know, as late in, I think I was 19 when I actually went through the, you know, looked at the course and stuff. And then I was like, nah, I don't think so. But I, that was something I've never been interested in doing. Now my, uh, I have a few uncles who fought and served in the war and different things like that. So I respect it. It was just not ever something. So it's always interesting to me when you get to kind of hear their story about it. And um, for a lot of the family members, this action by the young kids of remembering their son or daughter, even if it's only for that day and saying their name, it really means a lot to the families. That's very, again, well said, because they know that their service is going to be remembered, not by their family, yeah. but by... Someone else. Someone else, you know. Yeah. It's Maureen's parents. Both of her parents served, and that's how this started. Yeah. Well, your so, wife, Maureen, she's a great lady, and uh, she puts a lot of work into this. Thousands of hours and... and Several several years, uh, like I said, this is our thirteenth year. Yeah, well, it's great that it's grown probably way bigger than you expected. That now it's not just across Canada. You, you have lots of countries have reached out to you, and they do the same ceremony uh, because of because uh, of your idea. Well, it, and it's really Maureen's idea, and our daughters uh, sort of spearheaded it. But I, I love the moment in Krakow, Poland, where they're singing the Canadian anthem in a cemetery, not three hundred and seventy kilometers from the Ukraine border. And there's in the school in Krakow, Poland, there are children from the Ukraine now in our school 58 in Krakow doing a no stone ceremony that that warms my heart. Now, when you say school 58, so you have all the schools involved, they each get their own number? And that's the way it's d- decided in Krakow. Oh, okay. And in this, this is a Commonwealth War Grave Cemetery, and we honor 15 Canadian soldiers and about 285 Allied soldiers from all over. Okay. And uh, it, it's extraordinarily special. Actually. Have you been to some of these cemeteries? I've been to that one twice. Oh, wow. And, and Maureen and I were there. We our first uh, overseas ceremony was in that ceremony in that cemetery. Oh, wow. Dude, yeah. that, that man, I must be. How would you describe what you when you go there and you see that? <laughs> uh, it's profound because in <clears throat> that soil, in their lifetimes, their grandpas have seen war in that community. Okay. So it's very close to them. <clears throat> and we ask the kids to write reflection letters. In Krakow, they seem to do more graphic pictures of a Canadian pilot and an Allied pilot uh, versus a uh, German pilot yeah. and, uh, and the bullets are shooting back and forth and that's that's how they see it and it's it's very close to them and even more so today around the world what's going on in israel i mean what's going on all over the world right now it's uh, rather important and rather there it's rather present in our minds yeah it's definitely i think we have a total different um when we talk about it it's not right on our land like you know, God love Canadians, you know, uh, outside. And I, I think, you know, with the one war, a little bit with the U.S. where we had on our soil. But for the most part, we've never had that. And I think that does make a profound difference for it does. you. Yeah. Profound difference. Well, Randall, thanks so much uh, talking. I know we wanted to talk about the Mercury's, but I didn't want to uh, forget uh, No Stone Left Alone. And uh, this is a fantastic uh, notebook. I think uh, Min Darwell did a story for people who want to see it. But uh, we put the picture up. We'll take some pictures and, and put a bump on our uh uh, uh, socials about the uh, the Mercury. So when you're going to the game, just remember the 1952 Mercury's. That's who they're honoring, and uh, the jersey and the logo. Everything is because of them winning the uh, Olympics back in uh, 1952. A group of young men who were uh, stationed in Edmonton uh, worked at uh, Waterloo uh, uh, Mercury. Uh, yeah, Waterloo Mercury, right? Yep. And um, 
worked there and then uh, played hockey kind of for fun. So it's a great story. Uh, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Take a quick break. Uh, we'll return on Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 Live and Owners Nation YouTube. Positive Friday. Welcome back to the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Alberta's only regulated online gambling website where all the revenue stays right here in the province. Of course, tonight, World Series. So lots of different action. Now you can have some fun with at PlayAlberta.ca. And then, of course, Sunday has the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames and the Heritage Classic 20 years after the inaugural one. And who knew back then that it would become such a massive event for the National Hockey League? And make no mistake, the NHL, this became a success story despite the NHL. They didn't want it. This was really all the Edmonton Oilers organization, and they should get a lot of credit for it. Because uh, the league didn't really want to help them. There's lots of people who thought it was a dumb idea. And then uh, once they saw it once, and then I was oh, geez. And then it still took a few years before it uh, before it really uh, caught on. So we'll see. Now, do you want to go to the game on Sunday? We're going to do a, a fun little auction. We have a pair of sweet seats in the lower bowl. On Sunday to go to the game, I got to get the exact seats here because I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to mess it up. And uh, they are in Section K, so uh, that's uh, you know, it's a pretty good seat on the. Uh, what would that be? The west side of the uh, the west side of the stadium. Okay, so uh, you can go there if uh, if you want. And I want to get the exact seat here. Where are they? Yes, row 26. So high enough that you're going to be, uh, you're not going to be kind of getting uh, the, def- you know, the glass reflection or anything like that. So uh, row 26 in section K seat 15 and 16. Okay. So here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do it uh, very quickly. Um, if we, we thought about this, so I think we'll take a, a maximum of 10 people at 100 bucks each. So uh, for 100 bucks, you go on the draw, you'll get uh, the two seats for the game. Also, you are going to, uh, to get on uh, Saturday night, uh, did you know that uh, Biz Nasty's in town and he's doing a little thing at the Ice House, the Bureau. So this, because you know what, hey, it's a, it's a weekend event. So you'll go to the game on Sunday, but you're going to have a table for four. Uh, we'll give you a $50 GC and a uh, uh, round of uh, Pink Whitney's. You get the uh, the Biz Fathead, if you know what that is. And uh, you will get the uh, VIP treatment from Patty at Brewhouse, if you know what I mean. Okay? So, if you're interested, we'll do 10 people. You make a $100 donation, and then we'll do a draw, one out of 10 chance. And uh, you'll get the pair of seats for 100 bucks, and uh, that's on Sunday. And you'll get to go out on Saturday, have some fun. So, uh, at um, at the Ice House... Beforehand, they're having a little party there, um, do the shots and everything like that. Uh, it'll be a great time. So if you want, you can text in 833-401-1440. We'll take a max of it. Hey, who knows? We might only get five people at, at 100 bucks. Could be even better odds. So if you're interested, send your name. and your e- Actually, send me an email because then I'll email you the link on where you can make the donation. That's easier. So send. Uh, Don's already in, but Don, email it to Gregor at sports1440.ca. Okay, Gregor 
at sports1440.ca. That's the uh, the easiest place to do it. Then I'll have your email, and I will just send you the link on uh, where you make your donation. And uh, once you're in, you got to make the donation to be in. Okay, it's not hey, I'll do it. No, no, no. You got to make your donation. So uh, once you make your donation, then uh, then you're in, and uh, we'll rock and roll, and we'll take a maximum of ten. And uh, we'll shut it down at uh, at 5.30, so we'll do the draw then. So if we have four, we have six, we have eight, maximum's going to be ten. So you have a worst case, you have a one in ten chance. Who knows? You might have a one in one. You might be the only person, Don, who uh, elects to do it. So we'll see. If you uh, if you want to do it, go right ahead. Uh, Gregor at sports1440.ca. Send me an email, and then I'll send you a link on where you can make the donation. Did you say one round of Pink Whitney? Well, something tells me it's going to be a few. I don't know. Well, I'm just telling you. <laughs> um, it's uh, you're as I said. That's what you're getting, and you get the VIP treatment from Pat at the Ice House. Okay. Yeah, he'll take care of you. You'll mm-hmm. have a good time. Yeah, I might. You know what? I'm actually because uh, I'm covering the orders practice tomorrow, and because uh, and by the way, this event goes from six to eight. You can stay there all night if you like, but it goes six to eight. I should mention that on Saturday. It's a fun start early kind of party. You get to and you you know you get a little uh, meet and greet with old Biz. You meet the schnoz, have a lot of fun with that. So um, you'll get the VIP treatment because pretty much sold out. So uh, Patty's putting you in a very special location. So you're going to have great seats for the whole event on uh, the Saturday. Have some fun with your friends. And then uh, Sunday, you can go to the game. Two tickets in Section K. Pretty sweet seats. All right. So we got uh, Don in. Gregor at Sports 1440. Uh, we've also got uh, Hassan's now in. So uh, we're up to two. So uh, there you go. It's that easy. Let's get to some uh, text, 833-401-1440. Hey, guys, a wonderful interview with uh, Mr. Purvis. The 52 Mercs are legends. Also, the No Stone Left Alone project means a great deal to families like mine. We had five veterans here, sir, beginning with my dad, who landed on D-Day with the Regina Rifles. You honor their memory. Thank you very much from Mark. Mark, you know what, man? Uh, your father and, and anybody who served in those wars, man, it's it's unbelievable the the respect I have for those people. I, I I truly don't think we understand. We we are so lucky to live where we live right now. And in Canada, in Edmonton area specifically, you know, the level of fear that we live in is increment is non existent compared to lots of other places. We're so lucky. And uh, you know, so many men and women over the years have uh, paid the ultimate sacrifice for us to uh, to maintain to live here in, the, in this piece. And I, I know, hey, the, we we have some things, and nothing's perfect. But man, I would take it living here over many other places. When you see the absolute destruction and chaos that's going on in in other places of the world, it's uh, not good at all. Not good at all. So, uh, very lucky. Very lucky. Hey, Greg's, uh, love that story. The Mercury's, I uh, didn't really know where the logo came from. Thanks. Look forward to the game from Doug. Hey, Gregor, do you know if there's anything going on before the game from Pete? Well, Pete, they have the whole fan thing downtown all weekend long. Yeah. So there's lots of, of activities going on now. Is there something going on right outside Commonwealth? That's a good question. I don't think so, Connor. Um, I don't think there's anything at Clark. I could be wrong. I have to double check that in the break. So I don't want to misspeak and, and give you the wrong directions. But I know that the downtown, you know, there's lots going on tonight. Uh, tomorrow, they have all sorts of activities going around this. Um, uh, tonight, I know some people have tickets to the party like it's 2003. It's going on at Rogers Place, where it's your opportunity to, uh, to meet some of the current team, uh, some of the alumni. So, uh, that'll be great. As well, so uh, so there's uh, all sorts of that stuff uh, uh, going on, which is uh, which is great. 
So. Hey, Greg's honestly, what do you think has to happen for the orders to get a win? Uh, to me, the number one most simple thing the orders have to do is they have to increase their competitiveness on a consistent basis. Like if you watch the game last night against the New York Rangers, how many times did the Rangers look uncomfortable in the game? Whether it was a consistent forecheck, right? How often? Not many. So to me, that's the, uh, that's the, the easiest place to start. Work ethic, intensity, increase that. Now, not to the level where you're just running around like a chicken with his head cut off. You need to be, I think, a little bit more assertive on the forecheck. That was almost a no-hitter last night for the orders. And specifically, I'm going to look and say, hey, like, I don't need Leon Drysaddle running over guys. Sure, if he can, great. But that's, hey, it's not his thing. Leon Drysaddle's been producing. I look at their bottom six guys right now who can't score. And you'll go through stretches where they don't score. That's fine. But when you look at almost nothing at the end of the day, a contribution from your bottom six, in what what are they doing? That you look at, hey, you know, geez, this guy made a great defensive play. Oh, this guy was really physical. Man, remember when the third line, they were cycling for a minute, got the crowd into it, get some emotion and create some momentum. Have you seen that? Not really. At all. So, hey, Gregory, do you think McDavid having the view of the fans like we do changes how he approaches his team and talk because I think it looks uglier from a fan or TV than it would on the ice from uh, Ontario Holmes? Well, I'll tell you right now. Number one, the game looks 10,000 times easier from the press box. So, I, and, I, and trust me, I've talked to players when they sit out for a game. They're like, man, I had more time. I think I had way more time than I thought because it looks easier. Then go sit in row one. Right? So I, I never... And that's why I always make sure I go sit in my in my seats that we have a few times a year to remind myself of how difficult and how fast the game is. Because on TV, even on TV, it doesn't do it justice. Things like, well, got way more time than you actually do in the real game. Um, the Oiler, I don't think Connor McDavid watching last night is going to learn anything more from the press box he didn't know beforehand. The Edmonton Order simply didn't, they got outworked last night. They got outworked in the third period by Minnesota. Right? It's eight to one now in the last 80 minutes. They got flat out outworked, not even close. So to me, I guess what, sorry, not the last, the last uh, hundred minutes, I guess, because uh, they scored the three goals in a second. And you know, like what's going on in the third period? How do you have more post game F bombs? Then you have third period goals so far this season. How's that possible? Right? How's it possible? Hey, Gregor, would you trade Skinner and Bouchard for Carter Hart? Would Philly? Ask yourself that. Would Philadelphia do it? And no, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do that. That's Edmonton right now. So you're going to, you're going to get Carter Hart. Great. Now you have a, what are you, you going to do on your right side on defense? Like, Evan Bouchard's your second leading scorer right now. I get that Evan Bouchard has some tough stretches. Last night I thought Bouchard was okay. I didn't, I didn't see Bouchard uh, stand out in a negative way last night. 
He's had a few tough games. I'm not giving up on Evan Bouchard when he's your most skilled defender. He's also, the reason I see Evan Bouchard is the reason why I gave him a bridge deal for all the people who are like, you got to sign Bouchard long term. No, you don't because he's not that player yet. He might be that player. He's not there yet. So don't do it. And I look at, um, plus they couldn't do it. They had no cap space, right? But I look at, at trading Evan Bouchard right now, and you give up Stuart Skinner. Stuart Skinner played really well last night. So I'm going to give up two young players for another young player. How does that make my organization better? No, I definitely wouldn't do that. Not at all. So. Hey, guys, um, I feel like a hypocrite saying this. However, if you go to conference finals two years in a row, why make a drastic change to the defensive schemes? Burglar. Well, they didn't go there two years in a row. They went there once. And then last year they lost in the uh, second round, not the third round, just to, for accuracy's sake. Uh, this is, again, there's so, I think there's so much misguided focus on the, uh, the systemic change. Like, again, there's a few systems and the systemic change. You talk to players, they're all tell you this is an actual easier system to play. You just got to play it. It's not that hard. It's not very difficult at all. In fact, there's less stress on the center's job in this system than there was before. It's actually easier. So I, I, I'm, I don't buy. We've had tons of NHL, former NHL players tell you this is not hard. Yet people still think, oh, it's God, it's got to be the coach's fault. This system's just too hard to understand. Why? It's not that difficult. You, you, and first of all, for seven games, if you want to say one game, maybe two, all right, I'd live with it. This is game seven. These are NHL players. You have one little area you have to cover. What the hell's so hard about it? Honestly, what's so hard about it? I'm sorry. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it at all. So quick break on the Gregor Show on Sports 1440. Uh, coming up, uh, Juan Gretz, Craig Button, uh, Mark Spector, uh, Low Tide will be by. Uh, we'll also have uh, Help Your Neighbor, uh, Andrew Pierre to Oil King's Voice, and more on a busy Friday edition of the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. All right, here we go. Welcome back. Sports 1440. So we have... Uh, Don is in the uh, draw. We have Roger, Scott, Barry, Lance, Riley, Hassan also. So, well, I guess uh, they've expressed interest. We got to get the uh, actual uh, donation. Then we know for sure that they're in, but I'm pretty sure they are. So that means we only have three spots left. So uh, if you want in, you can email Gregor at sports1440.ca. It's a $100 donation. Maximum 10 people. Seven in now. The max we'll have is 10. So you have a 1 in 10 chance. The winner is going to win a pair of seats in Section K to the Heritage Classic. Row 26. So you're up high enough. You're going to be able to see over the glass. It's going to be a great vantage point. Fantastic. You also, that's on Sunday. You also will receive a table for four. Uh, Biz is in town. Big uh, Pink Whitney party at the Ice House tomorrow. Starts at, uh, he's there from 6 to 8. So you want to get there, you get your table reserved. It's pretty much uh, almost sold out right now. So you're going to get your table for four. You're going to get $50 GC. You're going to get a round of Pick Whitney's. You're also going to get the VIP treatment from Patty at the, the Ice House. Wink, wink. You know what that means. You also get the uh, the Biz Fathead. I'm not even sure what the Biz Fathead is, but uh, you'll get one of those too. So it'll be uh, it'll be a lot of fun. All right. So uh, now Jordan uh, also is uh, in so uh, we're down to two. 
So it's pretty good odds, and it's a great package. So you're going to have fun on Saturday night at the Ice House and then Sunday at the Heritage Classic. So uh, that'll be good. Hey, Greg's, how are you doing the draw? We're just going to put the names in. We're just going to pick one person. Not a reverse draw. We'll just boom, you're in, and you win. Okay? That'll be uh, that'll be fantastic. So. Hey, Gregor, bang on. Everybody keeps talking about this new system like it's it's something they've never heard of. It's not that difficult. All the former players keep telling you it's simple. Why do people keep talking about it? I'm not sure, Mitch. I'm not sure. I, I understand people are frustrated, but uh, it's not a big deal in my eyes. Now, because I don't think... Now, last night, the Rangers really dominated the orders in the defensive zone for long stretches. And, and it was like seam pass rama all over the ice. So... That was really the first game where you saw them get hemmed in for any sort of extended time. Why? Because the orders didn't, the orders lost way too many puck battles, weren't nearly as physical, and I don't know how many times they have a stick in the lane. All right. Ran into Ray Whitney last night. He's just like, man, get a stick in the lane. Way too many crossing passes easily like that. So small little details that the orders need to be better at. Let's go in the community now, brought to you by United Sport and Cycle. And hockey days are on where you can save up to 35% off right now. United Sport and Cycle, your home of hockey for over 95 years. The voice of the Old Kings, uh, you have their own channel on iHeartRadio is where you can uh, listen to them now. Uh, Andrew Peard joins us. Peardsy, how you doing, Matt? Doing well, Greg. How are you? I'm great. Uh, I saw you guys uh, loading up. Uh, on, well, were you unloading or packing up? I think you were packing up. Of course, uh, you're in Medicine Hat tonight, correct? Yeah, yeah. We were packing it up and uh, shooting down the uh, the highway. Six and a half hours about, and uh, got in last night just in time to see the uh, end of that uh, Oilers game, which was uh, not the most uh, entertaining. But uh, the boys are, are ready to rock tonight. They got a stiff test with the Tigers. Uh, the Tigers, they're one of the top teams right now in our division. So we'll see what uh, this young Oil Kings team is all about here tonight for sure. Well, and then tomorrow you're back home and you got the Portland uh, Portland coming in, uh, the Winterhawks, who are 8-1. and one. So it, this, is a, this is a real tough weekend for the Oil Kings. Yeah, for sure. This is where the rubber meets the road for, for the Edmonton Oil Kings for sure. I mean, the Winterhawks coming in, you mentioned it, they're 8-1 and one and they are just hammering teams right now. They lost their first game of the year. They haven't lost since. Um, they are considered right now the class of the Western Hockey League. So, uh, you know, and it's uh, travel-wise, too, it's going to be tough for the Oil Kings, obviously, being here in Medicine Hat and then, you know, racing home through the night and uh, trying to get as much sleep as possible before taking on the Winterhawks, who I think tonight they are in Red Deer. So they're actually going to be in Edmonton yeah. before the Oil Kings are. So uh, advantage Portland there. But, you know, this is good. This is what uh, a young hockey team needs, specifically early on in the season. You get a look at what uh, a couple of teams that you're trying to become eventually are all about right the medicine at tigers that's more the here and now for the oil kings that's a team that went from being dead last a couple of years ago to being in the playoffs last year to now being uh, a central division favorite this year and of course the portland winterhawks they are a championship contender this year and you know two three years down the road that's where the oil kings want to be so it's a, it's a great opportunity this weekend uh for the oil kings and you know it's interesting so they play in medicine hat the game's at seven probably done at nine thirty. you load up like you probably don't leave the hat till 11 o'clock right realistically yeah. So you leave, yeah. so you don't get in until five thirty. Now some of the players will sleep on the bus, right? Well, most of them, yeah. I would think. But even then, you probably, you know, you're hyped up after the game, whatever. You, on average, you've been on that bus. Like, are, are players asleep by one, maybe? Yeah, maybe that. And even if you are asleep, I mean, you're hitting the bump and you're waking up. You're probably looking at like 
two and a half, three hours of quality sleep time total with, you know, whenever it is that you fall asleep. And some guys probably won't even sleep. So, wow. uh, you know, they'll be getting into their bed at, at 5.36 in the morning and then hopefully sleep until at least noon or, or 1 o'clock and getting themselves ready for, for the game the next night. So, yeah, it's not easy. It's, it's a tough thing to manage, but it's the beauty of junior hockey, right? Every team goes through it, and uh, it's one of those things. It's, uh, it's sort of a badge of honor you wear uh, along the way as you, you go through your hockey journey. Now, ideally, though, the schedule maker doesn't want you playing back-to-back in Medicine Hat in Edmonton, right? Like Calgary even or, or Red Deer, but this seems like uh, like the farthest, like the worst possible back-to-back that you can play, right? Where you're going six and a half hours home, right? There's not many of these, is there? No, this is definitely a rarity, and it's just one of those things that it happens every now and then, specifically with the Oil Kings, as, as you know, Jason. Um, you know, the Oilers, concerts, those sort of things take precedent at that Rogers place uh, over the Oil Kings, so our home schedule is a little bit uh, of throwing darts at a dartboard every now and then. But at the same time, I mean, it's it's a credit to everyone involved. They they find a way to make it work and make sure that the Oil Kings get, you know, some, some prime home dates. But at the same time, uh, what makes it tricky is the Portland Winterhawks are going through the Central Division right now, so you have to accommodate them. You have to find a way to, to get in a game. And obviously Sunday is going to be a no-go in Edmonton to, to play any sport uh, apart from, uh, you know, what's going on at Commonwealth that day. So game had to be on Saturday. And uh, it's, it's not ideal, but, uh, you know, it's, it's far from something that's never happened before. And uh, for the Oil Kings, they just got to sort of find a way to, to get through it and uh, uh, try and find a way to put their best foot forward against a real tough opponent. When you look at this uh, Oil Kings team, they're young now. I know you know they're they're just kind of hoping to get through things because they got some veterans coming back uh, in November. But who's really stood out thus far for the Oil Kings in your eyes? Uh, you know what, I got Rylan Kovacevic so far for for the Oil Kings. This was a guy that came over about halfway through last year in a trade for for Carson Golder, and he was a guy that was expected to come in and and bring a little bit more toughness, a little bit more grit to the Oil Kings. Something that obviously you can imagine a young team was lacking a bit. But, uh, you know, he found his scoring touch uh, last season, uh, 10 goals, 10 assists, uh, 20 points in about 30 games as a member of the Oil Kings. And then, you know, this past summer, I, I think he had a real honest conversation with himself. And, you know, it, it was never easy for Ryland coming over. He was traded away from his hometown team to Edmonton, a last place team. But, you know, I think he, he, he sort of had a conversation with himself and said, hey, I can be a part of the solution here. And he's come in and he's been a real leader uh, for a lot of the young guys this year. He's a 19-year-old. Uh, he's scoring every other game. He's standing up for teammates. He's playing physically. Um, he's, he's been a treat to watch, and he's a guy that you can count on every single night that he's in the lineup. And, uh, you know, he's, he's getting it done uh, from an emotional standpoint and, and from a production standpoint as well. So uh, he's been a real good guy for, for a lot of our, our young guys to look up to and, and see what it takes to, to be successful in the Western Hockey League. Andrew Pierre joins his voice at the Edmonton Oil Kings. Um, Cole Miller off to a tough start. Um, no goals through 12 games. What's up with him? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been not the start that Cole was looking for, and it's not the one the Oil Kings were looking for out of Cole. But uh, the, the one thing I will say, I think the first three or four games, he was not scoring and he was very quiet in those games, uh, which he can't be. You know, he's a six foot four centerman. He skates like the wind. He needs to be involved. The last handful of games he has been involved, he's had two or three scoring chances every single night. Now it's a matter of probably gripping his stick a little too tight. He needs one of those to find the back of the net. He's always been sort of a streaky scorer for this team. So uh, we feel like if he does get one to finally pop for him, it's it's going to start leading to, to a few more. But, you know, he's he's another one of those guys that, that the team needs a little bit more out of right now. I think, you know, they got off to the good start. They won three to their first five games. Uh, since then, they've lost seven in a row. Uh, but you figure if, if a guy like Cole Miller can start to break through, a guy like Rhett Melnick can start to break through a little 
little bit more consistently, uh, that's going to lead to some more wins for this team. So uh, for Cole, I know he's putting a lot of pressure on himself, but I think it's just a matter of time for him. He's, he's too good of a player to be going through this for, for too much longer. Yeah, well, uh, you know, uh, uh, Litke and, and Jekko, of course, right now leading the way offensively a little bit. Uh, Kovacevic, as you mentioned, uh, with the six goals. And they've actually got some, you know, go down the list. Billings got three goals in four games. Uh, when he's played, he's been actually very, you know, hey, point of game player. I don't care if it's only four games. He's still being productive. You get a few more guys going. Uh, what about on the other side, uh, defensively? That's where that's going to have to be key tonight against the Tigers. Yeah, um, that's that's gonna that's really gonna be important for the Oil Kings to be clean and tidy in their own zone. Uh, the Medicine Tigers, uh, they can zip it around with the best of them uh, offensively. They've got uh, a number of players. Obviously, Gavin McKenna, the the next sort of phenom hockey player to come through the Western Hockey League at 16 years old. He leads them in scoring with 17 points. But they got guys like Caden Lindstrom, who's going to be a first round pick this year. Shane Smith has been piling up the goals. So for Edmonton, it's going to be. You know, the veteran guys, Mark Lejoie, Wojtek, Port on the back end, those guys have to be uh, on their toes tonight and uh, making sure they're keeping everybody to the outside. They're not allowing those scene passes at five on five to, to, to creep through the, uh, the the slot area for the Oil Kings. And, you know, some of the young guys as well are, are going to need to step up or continue to step up because I, I think if you're if you're Luke Pierce right now, you're really happy with what you've seen out of uh, a lot of the young guys on the back end, that being, you know, Blake Fiddler in his first year here in the WHL, who's probably playing more minutes than was anticipated just because of the injuries, like you mentioned, that this team has suffered. So he's been playing a, a pretty regular shift right from opening night. And Parker Alcos, who was just named to uh, NHL Central Scouting's watch list for the upcoming draft, this is a, an undrafted player in the WHL, um, and, and he's done nothing but improve over the last couple of years and uh, at, a, at a pretty sizable rate uh, as well. So uh, those guys are going to be key here tonight, and it's going to be Logan Cunningham getting the start in net. So uh, Logan's been good this year. He's still looking for one of those great performances that we came to uh, expect out of him uh, last year, and uh, I, I think uh, for, for Logan, a, a real good opportunity tonight against a, a real tough offensive team. Awesome stuff, Pierzy. Have a good uh, trip home, and uh, best of luck tonight and tomorrow. Hey, appreciate it, Jason. All right, appreciate it. Uh, there you go. That is uh, Andrew Peard, voice of the Edmonton Oil Kings in Medicine Hat tonight. And then home tomorrow to take on the uh, Portland Winterhawks. The Winterhawks are really good. So uh, Oil King fans, looking for some excitement? Get down there tomorrow night to check out the Oil Kings and the Winterhawks. Jason Greger, Connor Halley with you on Sports 1440. It's time for a Sports 1440 update uh, brought to you by good friends at... Fountain Tire, right now the Road Ready Sale event is on. You can save up to $225 on select tires and a bonus of $50 off any service until December 16th. Book your appointment today at FountainTire.com.